0: Mayor Slamtown, Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, FKA, John Morrison, sometimes known as Johnny's Gimmick
1: Name, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance.
0: Yeah! That
1: was a nice little plug that we got from our last guest, John Morrison, and, uh, Hope you guys are having a wonderful evening. It's another
0: enticing,
1: amazing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance every Thursday at 7 o'clock from part of the Geek 5 uh, network, of course. And uh, of course, along with me, I have my wonderful co host, Mr. Christopher Ray Patton. Brother Ray, how are you doing, sir? I am doing wonderful, man, and I am super stoked for the show tonight. We have a great guest. We do have a great guest, but I am actually still waiting for him to call in. So. Right now, we'll just kind of intro the show and just let you guys know that we have a professional wrestler on our show coming up. Um, His name is the Beer City Bruiser, a.k.a. Matt Winchester. Uh, The dude is a badass, a hoss wrestler, if you will, but pretty fucking agile, too. So, oh, I think actually he's calling in right now. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Are you
0: there? I'm here. How's it going? going good, man.
2: Uh, I'm Dane, I'm the, okay? uh,
0: one of the, well,
1: yeah, I can hear you fine, um, I'm Dane, I'm one of the hosts, uh, I'll ask you a couple questions, we're very happy to have you on tonight, and uh, I'm gonna pass it to my, uh, partner Chris to ask you a couple more questions after I'm done. Um, you doing good this evening, man?
0: Oh, I'm doing fantastic.
1: After that, uh, banger with Godo, man, are you, are you, are you feeling good? You had one thing where <laughs> you, you tried to go for a, uh a uh, frog splash and went knees first into the canvas and being a 250 pound six foot guy like myself, that really like, I just cringe a little bit.
0: Yeah. Uh, I go to admit the flight back from Japan was longer than expected. Cause I was pretty beat up and, uh, it took me, I took a couple days off in the gym just to heal. Um, and, uh, the knees, the knees are banged up. I'm not going to lie. Um, three matches in two days in a foreign country does that to the body. You know, especially the the hard hitting matches that I had with Goto, and then that three way with uh, Dalton and Trent Beretta.
1: Yeah, man, Um, that was an awesome match with you and Goto. That uh, that cannonball that you did off the apron into him uh, on night one was pretty crazy. Um, I guess that's a good way to start off the interview. Go a little bit back, man. Um, How did you get into wrestling? You you know, when did you get into wrestling, and uh, what promotions did you watch as a kid?
0: Man, I've been a fan of wrestling for, for since I was, like, seven years old. Um, my uncle actually got me into it. Um, he took me to a uh, fair show around here, and it was the AWA that was running. And um, the main event was supposed to be Bruiser Brody versus Abdul the Butcher, but for some reason, Abdul the Butcher couldn't be there. So it ended oh. up being uh, Bruiser Brody versus Stan Hansen. And, Damn. uh This image sticks out in my head to this day as Brody and Hanson came brawling past me and my uncle, and here I am, seven years old, and Brody just stood up next to me and just started doing that huss. And from that moment on, I was hooked. Like, Brody was everything to me. So I used to to watch AWA because I'm from Milwaukee. Um, We also got WWF. But I would also try, because I almost became obsessed with Brody because of that moment. You know, this guy was... A seven-year-old you know he was like 70 feet tall (laughs) he got just A monster and uh, So I kind of like That's how I found out about tape trading and found Out about Japanese wrestling and stuff like that Was just my my curiosity And my obsession with trying to get more Brody Matches Um, and that's How I got hooked up and like Finding Mick Foley um, Cactus Jack and stuff like that and then I got on the ECW and uh, Actually got into like Tommy Dreamer um, because I was right around the time when Dreamer was becoming the big babyface in the feud with Raven, and uh, it just that just drove me.
1: Absolutely, man. so I'm assuming that, you know, Beer City Bruiser, is the bruiser like a little bit of a tribute to one of your favorite wrestlers?
0: It's, it's actually, uh, uh, I pay homage to the Milwaukee Crusher, uh, the Crusher from here in Milwaukee. Um, he was a yep. big eight-up guy. Um, so the cigar and the keg are inspired by him. Um, the name Bruiser comes from Bruiser Brody, obviously, um, who was awesome. a big influence. And then uh, the look and stuff kind of I, I stole from Terry Gordy because um, I was a big Freebirds fan as I was looking for um, my Brody stuff. You know, of course, I stumbled upon Devon Ericks in Texas, and the Freebirds made Devon Ericks. And I remember seeing Bam Bam Gordy. He was another big, big guy, you know, that could just move. And uh, I, I kind of just got absorbed with him too, so that's where I got the look from.
1: Yeah, I don't know as much about the Crusher, but Don Callis actually made that comparison while you were wrestling uh, Goto during that match. So I can definitely visually see it, and that makes sense that you guys are both from Milwaukee. Um, I love those two other guys too. Big. I'm uh, I'm I'm 33, so I was definitely into tape trading too as a kid. Man, loved learning about every form of wrestling that you could think of too i just i think when you're obsessed with wrestling you start absorbing every type you know which, whether it be lucha libre or japanese strong style british strong style it just kind of like just flows through you um i don't what, one thing that i have to notice with a lot of the big guys you know i, I was used to uh, a lot of, you know uh john tenta and and uh the big boss man i love those guys but you guys do stuff nowadays like Whether it be you or Killian Dane, Or um, I'm trying to think um, uh, Both guys in War Machine You know, you guys Flip, you guys jump is, Do you have any type of uh, influence From like, someone like a Bam Bam Bigelow Or a Vader? I saw you do the Vader splash During that match uh,
0: Yeah, Bam Bam Bigelow is actually another Big inspiration um, If you think about it, Bam Bam used to do a moonsault Off the top rope, and that was unheard yep. of At the time you know, and um, he was so fun to watch. His character was was big and bad. I remember his feud in ECW with Taz. And, well, just his whole time in ECW was so different than his time in WWF, you know, because he was doing the moon salts and he was doing the cartwheels and the dives and stuff like that. So uh, I draw a lot of inspiration from, from Bam Bam. And then Vader, I mean, Vader just knows how to hit guys and, and hurt people, you know. Um <laughs> What better guy to learn, like, just monstrous strikes from than Vader?
1: Well, you learned from a guy that actually uh, managed Vader um, that seems like he would have monstrous strikes, and that's Harley Race. Um, I've always wanted to ask a wrestler that was trained by him, uh, what is he like as a trainer? He seems like someone that would be very, you know, uh, tolerant, you know, kind of trying to get you through each thing, but also very aggressive, if he has to be. Is that true?
0: Uh, he is an amazing trainer. Um, the, the thing about Harley is he—he's forgotten so much about the business. You know what I mean? Because he's been around for so long. But yeah. He could could if you if you struggle with something, he knows a million different ways to help you out to get whatever you're trying to accomplish. And then um, I looked at it as, as I went to college with Harley, where I'd already had a few matches, I'd been in the business for a few years, and I went to him to kind of polish everything. And he helped me with all the little things, um, how to breathe in the ring, the ring placement, um, when to do a certain move, when not to do a certain move, um, stuff like that, you know. And just when you watch Harley, the training was a lot of him watching us, him sitting there and thinking about it for a second, and then speaking. And when he spoke, everybody listened you know, um, very rarely did he get upset. He, uh, he more or less, you know, I mean, he'd yell at us and stuff. if we were screwing up majorly, you know, and if we broke the rules and stuff, but like teaching wise, you know, he wanted to make sure that you were safe, you were getting it and it it looked good. Um, he wouldn't put you on his shows. He wouldn't give you your tryouts of WWE, um, or ring of honor or TNA, Mm -hmm. unless, you look good and you got his stamp of approval. So to get his stamp of approval was a big, big accomplishment.
1: Um, and when did you get trained by him exactly? Was it around the same time that um, uh, Trevor Murdoch was going to school and getting learning from him?
0: Um, it was right after Trevor had just gotten signed by WWE when I went okay. down there. So Trevor, Trevor was just starting on the road with Lance Cade and stuff like that, but he was in there – when he wasn't on the road, he was in the school with us. Um, and then I was down there pretty much his whole WWE run. Um, so I also got to see him when he got released and stuff like that. Um, but it, I was around there, you know, um, when I was down there, um, Joe Henning had just started, Curtis Axel. Uh, Ted DiDiase mm-hmm. Jr. had started. started. Um, so I, I attended Harleys with, like, some of the, you know, legends of, or sons of legends, you know, which was really cool. Cause like, um, Reed flair was there for a bit. So like we'd be training and million dollar man would walk in and he'd just sit there and help us with camp or Rick flair would walk in, you know, um, just to check on their kid and, and they'd help us. Uh, Larry the ax Henning would come down for a week, you know? So we got to learn from like true legends in the business.
1: Wow. That is, that would be one hell of a, uh, you know, a learning time period to be there. You uh, just learn <laughs> from all those guys. Definitely. Yeah. Um, going it's back pretty
0: crazy. All... It's, it's pretty crazy when you're doing something and, and Rick Flair walks in the building and, and starts working out with you. <laughs>
1: how, how does a guy like your size, obviously you tower probably over Rick Flair by a couple inches, but like still you got to be intimidated because of Flair, you know, it's Teddy Biasi, it's, it's Larry the Axe Henning, like, that's crazy. I mean, even Harley, obviously, too.
0: Yeah, well, Harley was a big guy. Like, Harley was considered a big guy for his time period. I mean, if you think about it, Harley Harley was one of the first true super heavyweights of wrestling. You know, he was over 300 pounds. Yep. Um, he did stuff off the top rope, which was unheard of for his time period. Yeah, it was just a falling head, butt, but nobody his size went to the top rope, you know, Um he he claims to this day he was the first one to ever throw a suplex, you know, a left handed suplex, which was never heard of back in his time period, you know. So he broke a lot of barriers and stuff like that for guys yep. my size.
1: Oh yeah, and his uh, his in ring chemistry, just everything about Harley Race. He's the, the dramatics that he would throw into his headbutts off the top ropes, even off the uh, second rope, or, the, or off the top rope, like. Love it. Uh definitely. Just Amazing Legends, you're you're really lucky. Uh here's something that's not so lucky, is getting uh hit really hard, and I'm sure in the line of business of you and Ring of Honor, uh, you know, you just had a match with Godo for for instance. Who is the hardest guy or who what wrestler that you've worked with has hit you the hardest out of all the wrestlers? I know that you and Silas obviously have had tag matches with the Briscoe brothers. Like who's been someone where even a big guy like you are like, Whoa, take back
0: a little bit. Jay Briscoe. Um, Jay Briscoe definitely hits the hardest. <laughs> um, we, we've had we had a feud with them for a year, Silas and I did, and it, it was a great learning experience. But it was probably the most realistic sore I've ever been in my life. Um, Jay brings it, you know. And he but he expects you to bring it right back. He doesn't back down. He wants it right back. And uh, I love wrestling the Briscoe brothers. Uh, I know when I get in there, it's going to be a fight. I know the crowd's going to be entertained. I know the crowd's going to see hard hitting action, you know, but definitely him. He's, he's hit me by far the hardest.
1: Yeah. Those guys are crazy. I would have loved to seen Briscoe's versus the Funks, man, both of them in their prime, but that's just me. Fancy booking. Like I always do. Cause I'm a wrestling nerd. <laughs> um, all right. Last question before I pass it to Chris, um, I was just wondering, uh, since it was in Japan, uh, oh, by the way, Japan, I've always wanted to go there. It must be a really, really cool concept to be able to go, to, go there and wrestle, but when you had your match with Goto, were you guys able to come up with any stuff that you were going to do in the match beforehand, or did you have to call it all in the ring? Uh, we came up
0: with a couple things beforehand, um, and then we called some stuff in the ring. Um, there is a little bit of a language barrier, you know, Yeah. Um, But wrestling is a universal language, I always tell people. Whether you're Japanese, uh, Spanish, Mexican, English, American, it doesn't matter. Uh, Wrestling is wrestling, you know. And uh, we had a couple things in the back that we had talked about, you know. The rest is pretty much out there to see. Because it was my first time in front of a Japanese crowd, they wanted to see how they would react to me. Um, You know, I mean, I'm obviously a bigger person, you know, than they're used to seeing over there. Um, so they wanted to see how that the reaction would be, and then the reaction I got nobody was expecting, <laughs> so we just kind of came up with stuff on the fly and and the rest is history
1: yeah absolutely, and that 's the reason why I was asking if you, you know with a language barrier that 's hard, but that makes sense but i i if if you guys haven 't watched the match, definitely watch the match uh, for honorizing night one uh, between for the never open weight title between. Our man, uh, the beer city bruiser versus Goto, but um, yeah, you were trying to get heat. You actually did what uh, Lance Archer does, uh, where you spit. But you're spitting beer all over people, and they were cheering for you. Like you were, it, it was it was crazy. It was uh, it was awesome. Like did that kind of take you off guard a little
0: bit. Yeah, it was crazy. What was really crazy was after the show, people were coming up and handing me beer, and they wanted me to spit it on them. Like walking back to the hotel room, like they, fans wanted me to spit on them. I'm just like, all right, you know. And they they were paying me money to spit beer at them.
1: <laughs> wow, that Japanese crowd, man, they they love wrestling. I mean, I'm not saying the American crowd doesn't or anything like that, but it's different. Obviously, uh, they, they they respect it. It's like all of them were smiling when you were spitting beer on them. Like it's just it's a it's a different world almost. Uh, did you like uh, working in Japan though?
0: I loved working in Japan. It was a dream come true. Um, I can't wait to go back. The Japanese fans make sure they treat you like a superstar, you know. Um, they're amazing people over there. Um, really polite. You know, the food over there is amazing. The beer is awesome. Uh, probably the best tap beer I've ever had is was from Japan. Um, and like I said, the fans were just, they were amazing, you know. Um, the The thing that I really liked about, the fans that we wrestled in front of was it was like a Japanese version of a ring of honor crowd where on night two, we actually got a holy shit chant going, which is unheard of in Japan, you know? And it was (laughs) so cool. So cool. Like I cannot put over the Japanese people enough. They were amazing. They treated me well. New Japan treated me well. Uh, Ring of honor always treats me well because they're, they are the best wrestling on the planet and uh, I can't wait to go back.
1: Absolutely, man. I completely agree with you. All right, I'm going to pass it to Chris. Chris, if you want to take over and uh, ask uh, Matt some questions. Sure, man. It sounds awesome. I, and my first
3: question is a little silly, and it's uh, it's. I guess it's more of a Milwaukee thing, uh, but I'm assuming you've heard the Novas sing The Crusher since your favorite wrestler was The Crusher. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I have.
3: Awesome. For anyone for out there that haven't heard that song, you should totally look it up. The Cramps also did a version of it. Um,
0: yeah, it's it's but, actually a lot of fun. Um, they play it at some of the Milwaukee Admiral hockey games up here um, at like in between periods and stuff like that, and it's, it gets the crowd going. That's
3: awesome. Um, and I, I guess more of this is just like a kind of a – this is like more of a preference question, but uh, – as far as how you approached a tag team, like tag team wrestling versus singles competition, do you have a preference? Do you like uh, tag team matches better? Do you like singles better? What's uh, kind of where do you, what's your favorite and what do you like the most? And then I guess, do you have a favorite tag team? But I think you kind of hit that a little earlier uh, when you were talking about free birds and a few of those other tag teams, but I'm just curious.
0: Yeah. Um, I like, I like wrestling in general. Um, I, I, I like being in tag team. Um I like what Silas and I have been doing lately. Um the thing about tag team wrestling is you have to have a partner that you have good chemistry with. Um I've been I've been in tag matches and I've seen tag matches where just the partners hate each other and and they're not fun to watch and I think the crowd feels that. Uh I was real lucky to be put with Silas where I'd known Silas, you know, we've known each other for almost 17 years now. So we already had built-in chemistry, and every match we have is fun. And now with Brian Malonus, I've gotten to know him, and our chemistry is starting to come along. Where I'm having fun again, um, but I also do like the the singles matches every once in a while. Um, I'm glad I got singles matches in Japan. You know, I wanted to gauge how. Not that I. Uh, uh, not that I didn't want to tag with Silas or anything like that, but he'd already been over there, so everybody already saw him. So I kind of want to gauge how they thought of me, you know, as a singles wrestler when I went over there. Like, was I going to get the heat because it's it's me, the Bruce Lee Bruiser, or was I getting heat because it's me and Silas, you know? Um, so I'm real happy I got singles matches in Japan. Um, so to answer the question, I, I like both. Um, I, I'm having a lot of fun in the tag team division right now with Ring of Honor because we have a lot of great tag teams. Um, as far as some of the tag teams that I looked up to, like, yeah, the Freebirds by far were, were the best tag team. I'm also a big fan of the Brain Busters, uh, Arn and Tully. Um, Arn Anderson is just a magician to watch in the ring. I don't think he wastes any motion whatsoever. And uh, him and Tully, man, they they entertain you, whether it be with the wrestling uh, a powerhouse team like the Road Warriors or they're going against the Hollywood Blondes in the two out of three falls match, you know, like just so fun to watch.
3: Agreed a hundred percent. They're definitely up there with, you know, some of my favorite tag teams as well. Uh, Arn is just an incredible athlete and and wonderful to watch even going back to like, you know, early WCW time when Jim Hurt was there, I, I always thought that he was kind of a bright spot. Uh, I guess a, a follow-up would be if you, know, if, you had to have, if you could wrestle anyone in the world today, um, who do you think you would have the best chemistry with, and who would you like to just have a fun match with?
0: Uh, I really want to wrestle Ishii um, from New Japan. Um, I think him and I yeah. get have a really good, strong, big guy match. I also think it could be a lot of fun. Um, just the two of us going out there. Like uh, on my list was, was Goto and I was real happy I got that first night and then had the match that we had and it kinda fueled me and I was like I have a lot of guys in New Japan that I kinda look up to and and follow and stuff like that, but top of the list right now is Ishii. Like he just looks like a guy that I could have a great hard hitting, solid match where the fans will cringe because we're hitting each other so hard. But it'll still be fun in the end. So he kinda covers both.
3: awesome and uh i I guess just kind of a question you know um do you like doing tv tapings or do you prefer like live i know you guys you've done some live obvious live tapings versus tv tapings uh some of the tv tapings with ring of honor is there a preference between that and do you prepare differently for one or the other or is it kind of you know very similar as far as how you go through the motions getting prepared for your matches
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, I prepare for pay-per-views differently than I do house shows or TV just because pay-per-views are so big, and they're usually bigger matches. Um, When I found out I was going to Japan and it was going to be streaming live um, on New Japan World, I actually went into the gym. um, I dropped 30 pounds. uh, I got my cardio up. um, I did a little more circuit training to make sure my cardio was up. Because I didn't want to go over there and, one, embarrass myself, and, two, embarrass Ring of Honor. Um, I didn't want New Japan to regret choosing me to be on that tour. Um, so I really hit the gym hard, you know. Um, we got the 16th anniversary pay-per-view coming up. So, you know, I took a couple days to heal from the Japanese tour. And then now I'm going to be back in the gym again, just kind of keep my cardio up to where it was, Um as far as TV tapings or host shows, they're kind of the same now because everything we do is now streamed live on the um, the,
1: the Honor Club.
0: So we treat our host shows now like TV. Um, they're not as long. Where obviously our TV tapings, we film four episodes of TV a night, where the live stream shows are only two hours. So for TV tapings, I usually get myself mentally prepared to to be in front of the crowd more than once. Uh, I think last TV taping, me and Malonis were out there three out of the four tapings. Um, Silas was with us, I think, twice. So as far as conditioning, I condition myself differently for pay-per-views, but mentally I get myself prepared to be in front of a crowd more with TV tapings.
3: That makes perfect sense. Um, And I I guess a question for the audience um, would be if anyone was looking in to get to – getting into wrestling or becoming a professional wrestler, either whether they just want to do it as a hobby or, you know, dive straight in like, like you and so many others have done to try to do this thing professionally uh, on a full time scale. Do you have any advice and any schools that you would recommend?
0: Uh, Yeah. Uh, My advice is research your schools before you do it. Um, There's so many guys out there nowadays that will just take your money because they've been on the independent scene for, 12, 15 years, but they've only had maybe 50 matches, and they think they know what they're doing. Um, To anyone that's looking to get into wrestling, one, make sure it's what you want to do. This is a tough life. You are away from your family constantly. Um, I have a wife and four kids. Uh, You know, this week I see them. I came back on Sunday. I slept all day Monday because of the jet lag. Spent time with them uh, yesterday and today, and then I'm flying out again. Tomorrow to for TV tapings, I won't be back to Sunday again. You know, so it's a lot of time on the road, um, away from everybody. Um, but when you're looking in the schools, go to a reputable school. Look who the teacher is. Look who the owner is. What has the owner done? Um, what has the teacher done? Have they been to the big, you know, big time? Even if they're just jobbers that were on TV back in the '80s, it's still something. They still know what's going on. Um, as far as schools recommend, uh, if you're in the Milwaukee area, I actually am the head trainer at a school run by uh, Frankie the Thumper DeFalco, an old AWA guy um, called the Thumper's Den Wrestling Academy. Um, I recommend that. Uh, I recommend the Monster Factory in New Jersey. Um, Danny over there is just pumping out. Like, he he gets you ready for the business of wrestling, not just the training and, and the in-ring stuff, but like how to deal with promoters and how to deal with tryouts and stuff like that. Um, the ring of honor dojo, obviously I recommend, uh, what better place to start than with your foot already in the door for ring of honor. You know, you're already in front of the guys that make decisions. Um, and then Harley race with, uh, WLW, the Harley race wrestling Academy, where I came from, um, down in Missouri, it's a small town, so there's nothing to do but wrestle. So you literally dive in head first And all, all I did when I, when I was down there was sit in Harley's office and bug him, train, and watch wrestling videos. So those would be my recommendations.
3: Awesome. Thank you so much. Dan, I'm going to pass it back to you.
1: Definitely. And that sounds like some, uh, some definitely good advice. Uh, Well, now that we're getting towards the end of the interview, Matt, did you have anything else? Uh, You just plugged your school. Do you have any um, upcoming dates for Ring of Honor or anything like that that you want to plug?
0: Yeah, we got uh, Manhattan Mayhem uh, this Saturday at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York. Um, It's called The Experience, which is awesome because the fans actually get to vote on uh, all the stipulations for matches. Like, I think for my match, they get to vote. It's uh, Silas, me, and Brian Mulanonis against uh, Kenny King, and then you get the vote for Kenny's partners. And I know it's like the Machine Guns, Briscoes, the Kingdom, or the Dogs, I believe it is. Um, you go to ROHwrestling.com, and you can all the stuff's on there. You can select, and it's really cool to make the fans part of it. Um, it's, it's also streaming live. Um, and the next weekend, we got the 16th anniversary for Ring of Honor live from Las Vegas. Um, Friday night, and then Saturday, we got the TV taping, which Vegas is a hot crowd, man. They're fun to wrestle in front of. Um, again, ROHwrestling.com. Uh, if you click on the Shop Zone, you can buy one of my koozies there. Um, if you want one of my T-shirts, you can go to www.prowrestlingtees.com slash Uh I got a lot of shirts up there. Um, just to order it from there. Pro Wrestling Tees is an amazing site. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Beer City Bruiser. I'm on Instagram at Beer City Bruiser or on Twitter at b c b Winchester
1: All right, man, and uh, one last request before we let you go because you're a busy man, you got to get back. I'm assuming you're on the road or doing whatever. Um, do you mind uh, doing a drop for us? Yeah, sure, whatever you need. All right man. Uh, whatever, however you want to title, I'm just going to give you an example, basically, like, hey, this is the Beer City bruiser. And you're listening to wrestling geeks Alliance, something along those lines. All
0: right. Just let me know when to go. You can go now, if you'd like crack one open with the beer city bruiser. Cause you're listening to wrestling geeks Alliance.
1: All right. Thank you very much, Matt. Um,
0: Hey, we'd love to have you
1: back. If you want to come on, shoot the shit about wrestling, talk about stuff, give us an update how you're doing every in the future. Really fun interview for a guy that splits beer all over people. You seem like a really nice guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I try to be. (laughs) My wife might disagree.
1: (laughs) All right, man. Well, we'll talk to you next time, okay? All right. Thanks a lot. No problem. Bye. And that was the Beer City Bruiser. Really, really nice guy, Chris. Uh, I definitely enjoyed that interview. I hope we can get him back to, like, more or less shoot the shit. Um, Did that kind of pause on your end, too, with the audio? I'm hoping that didn't do it, Uh, like, from the main thing. When he did that little drop... No,
3: the uh, drop sounded fine. I was on mute a little bit there because uh, we had some stuff going on at the house when the cats tried to escape. <laughs> Those uh, evil cats. I cat. the end of the interview. I think it was my it was evil cat. cat.
1: I think it was my headphones that, that, that messed up. But it was like like kind of made like a weird electronical noise. And I was like, please don't. I don't feel like hunting this guy down. He's busy as shit. Again, to do it over Twitter again afterwards. But it sounds like it was fine. If not, we'll figure it out. I'm not too worried about it. But how did you enjoy the interview, Chris?
3: Man, it was an awesome interview. What a, what a great guy. It's, it's awesome that he knew the Nova's, the Crusher. I was very impressed by that. And uh, everyone check out Ring Honor, man. They're putting out really good stuff. Uh, I'm not part of the Honor, the Honor uh, streaming club. I didn't realize they were doing that. So there's probably $10 out of my pocket every month because definitely going to check that out. I mean, they have great wrestlers. The Briscoes, of course. Uh, Beer City Bruiser. Dalton Castle. Uh, Cody Rhodes, to an extent, when he's there. Jay Lethal. I forgot to ask him about Jay Lethal. lethal. I know. It's always afterwards. that we're like, oh, there's so many questions. But, you know, he's a guy. And that was awesome that he just showed up and wanted to talk. And uh, I forgot to ask him about his favorite beer. I'm pretty sure he said it's Coors Light in the past. So, uh, everyone crack open at Coors Light for the
1: beer-seated bruiser. Uh, Awesome
3: guy. And that was a very fun interview. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Absolutely, I completely agree with you, and I'm cracking open a proverbial beer right now. Um, but we don't have just an interview tonight, guys. We have some wrestling Elimination Chamber results that happened. We're going to go over that, and then we got some news items we're going to go over. And if we can get to it, we're going to try to get to the, the list. I kind of did that like Matt Hardy meets Chris Jericho. That was an accident. Okay. All right, uh, Chris, let's talk about Elimination Chamber. I'm not on a website at all, promise. Okay. <laughs> uh all right, so the first match was actually a pretty good match, but it was on the uh the pre show. And that was the Balor Club defeating the Misturage. Uh Carl Anderson got the pin on Curtis Axel after the Balor Club uh hit him with the magic killer. Uh while this was happening, for some reason, um oh, what the hell is her name? Was. So, yeah. Oh, my God, Chris. My brain's not working right now. The, the uh, Revival, Chris. The, the Revival was watching them. Uh, so there's going to be something along the lines with that. The only thing is, I don't know what's going to go on, Chris, before I pass you to see how you like this match. Between, it seems like you got two, three ways potentially happening at Mania over tag teams between the Balor Club, the Revival, and the bar, and then over on SmackDown, you have the Bludgeon Brothers, uh, the Usos, and obviously the New Day. And I'm wondering how this is going to work out. I doubt they are going to be three-way tags for both of them, if not either one of them. Anyways, how did you feel about this match? Uh,
3: I thought the match itself was fine. Um, To me, it seems like they're setting up for a feud between, you know, Anderson Gallows, the Good Brothers, versus The Revival, To build the Revival into that tag team championship role, it almost seems like uh, they they don't really know what to do with the Good Brothers, the club, unfortunately, uh, outside of just sticking them with Finn right now, Uh, which is unfortunate because I think they're probably the best tag team on Raw right now. Uh, I'm not the hugest fan of the Revival. Uh, I like the Revival. I'm just not as high on them as a lot of other people are. Uh, like Jim Cornette, for instance, or, you know, a bunch of other personalities out there. To me, it looks like they, they want to give the nod to the Revival and kind of put, uh, you know, get Anderson and Gallows wins, but they kind of want them to be kind of a gateway to whoever the tag team champions are going to be. And maybe building that feud, instead of doing a three-way tag, they're going to build that feud up that way. The Revival has someone someone to face after, after the fact. And it could be something where Finn walks out with a title, uh, and then you build the club up that way. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Finn has kind of been playing a a heelish type role against Seth Rollins, and we haven't really seen the paint recently. So I'm wondering if they're going to build this into, you know, either the Revival get the tag or Anderson Gallows get the tag, and then you see Finn pick up an IC title or something uh, to kind of build that faction, which we've talked about for a long time. I don't think that's a a foreign concept, but just – Curious, I guess, on your thoughts of that, and also, I mean, overall, the the match itself was just—it was okay. The pre-show matches are always a little weird because
2: they—they
3: film them for TV, you know. They film them just like they film like matches on Raw. So the breaks in between have really started to get me down. So I've like had to start not watching them, and then going back and watching them the next day. So I don't know that I got necessarily the same feel as if I watched the pay-per-view, you know. Front to back
1: Yeah it was I thought it was a pretty good match and I agree with you I think that I mean I kind of Hope um, Even though we'll kind of screw out Rollins A little bit that it would be really cool For the club to have the tag belts at Mania And Finn to have the IC belt and that's like them going out Of it together as a really strong faction Uh, But we'll see But I I did like this match um, But it was a pre-show match I mean it wasn't anything Too crazy the thing is um, all these guys can put on a pretty damn insane match, so it's whatever they give them on the pre-show. Uh, I think is going to have like 60 pre-show matches, by the way. The way it's like turning out, it's ridiculous. But uh, we'll have to see on that. Let's go to the first actual match and the first ever Raw's Women's uh, Championship Elimination Chamber match. Alexa Bliss defeated Mickey James, Mandy Rose, Bayley, Sasha Banks, and Sonya Deville. Mandy Rose now has the... Uh, the wonderful privilege of being the first woman out for both the Royal Rumble and the Elimination Chamber. Um, so that's not good. Uh, Mandy Rose tapped out to the bank statement to be the first one eliminated. Mickey James eliminated Sonya Deville after a Fez press off the top of one of the pods. Bailey, Bailey then eliminated James to the ba- Bailey to belly. I hate saying that. Bailey gave Sasha Banks a Bailey to belly off the top ropes, but Alexa Bliss immediately rolled up Bailey to eliminate her. Bliss retained her title by eliminating Banks via pinfall after a rope-hung DDT, which was really awesome. Um, I thought it was awesome when Alexa Bliss did the uh, her Bliss jump thingy. I forgot what it did, something Bliss, I don't remember. But off the top of one of the pods, uh, looked really graceful. Uh, she, she is becoming such an incredible heel. I, I actually can think that she's very much the female equivalent to Miz, the way that she's able to handle the mic especially with this promo she cut afterwards. While well, Sasha's sobbing on the on the uh, steps, she's basically just, uh, you know, just, just giving this baby face promo. And, you know, it's like, is she going to do it? And then she just turned. And it was perfect. I uh, Some people thought that she was uh, expressing too much baby's face qualities. I thought the turn made it perfectly clear that that was real emotion. But she obviously was playing her character, and I thought she delivered it well. People aren't the bitch. Uh, someone was bitching about Sasha's... Um, they compared Sasha's uh, what should we call it her frog splash off the top of the pod uh, to CM Punk's elbow drops, and I'm like that's not fair at all. Like that was the first time Sasha's jumping that high trying to do that. I know she can do a frog splash. She was inspired by by Eddie Guerrero. I don't think she did it bad at all. I think that the women all performed really well. Um, I thought that the turn on uh, Bailey was awesome, and especially what that happened what happened following Raw. Uh, to the opposite. I like that they're building something for those two to do because they can make a banger of a match and even if they're not in the championship you know, Bailey versus Sasha is a badass match to have. I just don't know where the hell they're going to put it. You know, I guess they're going to have an eight hour Wrestlemania Uh, but Chris, uh, how did you feel about this match? I thought actually the women put on a better elimination shamer match than the men. Um, I don't think everyone's going to agree with me on that but that's my personal views. How did you feel?
3: I don't know if I'd go necessarily as it was a better match. Uh, I would say, you know, the outcome is kind of what we expected. We, we expected it to be either be Bliss or, uh, you know, Sasha. And the thing I would say about people kind of shitting on Sasha's uh, Frog Splash is there's a difference between CM Punk doing it in seven minute matches on Raw over and over and over again. And her doing it off the top of a pod in an elimination chamber after being the first wrestler in and wrestling for 30-something minutes. So maybe cut her a little bit of slack, and then she fucks it up again, and again, and again, then, you know, you can start comparing it to CM Punk's elbow drop. Which, I mean, it's still not a terrible elbow drop, it's just... When you're seeing Punk and you're as big of a starry as, as he was and is, uh, and you had such a great moveset anyways, it's like throwing the elbow drop on top of there. You kind of want that thing to be picture perfect. You know, Shawn Michaels, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage type elbow drop. You're looking for that thing to be crisp. It doesn't help her that she talks about, or they consistently talk about Eddie Guerrero before she does any kind of tribute to Eddie Guerrero, because that's the immediate comparison you're going to draw in your head. And I'll go ahead and tell you that there's like maybe four people that are even close to what Eddie Guerrero was in the ring and WWE in general. So I would, I would, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, I thought the girls did a really good job. I thought it was a, you know, a, a pretty phenomenal match. It was nice to see Mickey James in there. I kind of wish she would have lasted um, around a little bit longer. I had no problem with the finish. They're definitely setting up for Bailey, Bailey versus Sasha. At some point, uh, but they always backpedal it like on Raw. They were together again uh, the night after the pay-per-view, which I, if we get to Raw, I guess we'll talk about that. But that's a thing that kind of upset me a little bit. There was no there was no drama between the two. Um yeah, there was. But overall, I mean, yes and no. She yeah, screwed over okay. the, the tag match. I I expected more. I expected way more considering the way that they sold it on the interview, but we can talk about that later. But in general, the the match itself, I thought was one of the better matches of the night. I don't know if it was better than the, the men's match. Uh, there was parts in the men's match that was almost move for move, what they kind of did in a different order. Uh, with Cena and the Miz, the Miz's uh, kick spot from the previous elimination chamber, which I kind of had problems with. But, uh, you know, overall, I, I thought it was a good match. It was a lot of fun to watch. It, it, it's... There, I, I'm going to be curious to see what they do with these uh, women on these pay-per-views uh, going forward because they don't now. They're not going to have to. Re- they're not going to be able to rely on these multi-people matches for these big pay-per-views like Money in the Bank. They can't say this is the first ever women's Money in the Bank. This is the first ever women's Royal Rumble. This is the first ever women's Hell in a Cell match. This is the first ever women's Iron Match. And I wish they would get out of that mindset that they think the match ha- like the. The match gimmick has to make the match itself, and hopefully that's what they're building towards. Uh, But, you know, Alexa Bliss, I thought she hit a great promo afterwards, kind of selling it with a you-deserve-it chance and and fake crying and then immediately shitting on the audience. It was kind of a great heel move. And um, overall, I think she is definitely a highlight in what the women's division is on Raw, especially right now. You know, outside of Asuka, I think that she's kind of the only person that has a clear-cut path of her character, what her character is. And then you have Asuka, who's to me is going to be her, her number one challenger. And then you have this feud between you know Sasha and Bailey that they should have pulled the trigger on a year ago when we were talking about this. So it's just kind of that, that, that situation is kind of strange. But the match itself I really enjoyed. I thought it was a lot of fun. And um, I thought it was called really well on announcing. I think coach adds a lot to that announced team taking Booker out of the frame. I think uh, helped a lot.
1: I agree with that statement. I just wish, I, I feel like coach needs to get a little bit more uh, updated. I, I think that he's a better commentator, but sometimes I don't know if he just, does, he's not as updated with what's going on with, with the last couple of weeks of wrestling, but I just, one thing I, I think is annoying, Chris, and I don't know if you feel the same way, it seems like, and Corey's got one hell of a person to go back and forth with this time, uh, you know, unlike Booker with Coach, because he puts him right back in his place, but it seems like Corey's got to, like, go after every, like, little, you know, thing that Coach does, like he was doing to Booker, and he was doing to David Otonga before that, and he does to, to Byron Saxon. I'm not going to read into that too much, but... um you know, and I understand he's the heel commentator, but Coachman's also kind of heelish. We've always known that, so then he gives it right back, and I sometimes it gets a little bit just the two of them going back and forth, and Michael Cole chiming in the middle with, "Well, uh, I don't know. I'm not the biggest Michael Cole fan, or his, or his, um, his clone Todd Phillips, for that matter."
3: Yeah, I can agree with you there. The one thing I will say about Michael Cole is they haven't ever found anyone to fill that play-by-play, and they've tried. I mean, they've tried pulling other people up to do a play-by-play the way Michael Cole does it and the way he's able to plug all of the bullshit that he has to plug. I'm not going to sit here and be like, you know, he's even on the same level as, like, Joey Styles or fucking JR or even – Oh, my God!
2: God.
3: But, you know, for what they ask, in – the modern WWE, what they asked Michael Cole to do. Uh, I think that he's a decent announcer and I think that he would probably be better if there wasn't three announcers. I think that if you put the announce yeah. team, one was Tom Phillips, and then you have Corey Graves on the other show to be a hill announcer. And then you had coach being a hill announcer and Michael Cole, just being a play by play guy. And you separated those out correctly. Uh, I think that works better. The three-man announced team is just always kind of a brutal thing. Um, and once yep. again, I, I give Coach a little bit of a break because they're doing live now, and he was doing ESPN for the past, like, two, you know, however many years. Let's, whenever he left WWE, he joined ESPN, and it's – you know, sports center is completely different beast or whatever shows he was doing over there is completely different beast than getting back in and doing live commentary. It's also something he never, I don't ever remember him being a live commentator before he was more of the backstage guy and kind of a a personality did interviews for the rock after they moved Michael Cole to the desk. So I think he's going to grow into that role. And I I think it's still way better than what they had Booker and the Tonga doing. But I think it's going to get better. And I, Absolutely think that they should get rid of the three man announce team in general and maybe weed out the third man on each team, whoever the weakest is, or split them with the strongest players on both shows.
1: I agree. Um yeah, I I think that would be really smart to just go to two people. Although it would suck that I mean Corey doesn't get screwed because he's on both teams, so he just goes to SmackDown. I think the only one who gets screwed out of that is Saxton, which I do like Byron Saxton. He is kind of a little bitch, but he usually can bring that type of quality and make the base type of announcer uh, fuel really well. I just think that Booker T was a little bit off because you could tell he didn't care as much. You know, he was just kind of like saying those wacky Booker T comments. And obviously by the end of it, even though everyone thought that he left because of Corey Graves, woo! He just wanted to go, and you know, he didn't want to do the commentating. He was kind of forced into that, um, and he just kind of wanted to do those like after specials. At least that's that's what Booker T says. So I'm gonna believe him. I hope you guys do too. Let's.
3: I, I I tend to believe Booker T. I, you know, he had a run at that to begin with, and wasn't really a huge fan of it. And, you know, it's almost like they want him to be a meme because there was all those Booker T memes and gifts. Uh, from like the you know the Shucky Ducky and stuff, it's like they almost wanted him to act ducky like a complete idiot. Uh, and
1: he's an intelligent guy too, if you actually yeah. To I mean him. Booker T is a I don't,
3: he's a really intelligent guy. If you listen to interviews with Booker T, uh, he you know he, he knows a lot about the business. I think he, that a lot of the commentary he has when he talks about wrestling um, in his podcast and stuff. It's just so much better than when he's on announcing and that's nothing against him. And as far as Byron Saxton, go, I think it Yeah, and I think as far as Byron Saxton goes, he could easily do two oh five live again and he could probably get rid of you know, like him and Nigel I think would be a great two oh five live team. Um, it just depends on how long Michael Cole's planning on staying around and who you move into that role. You know, I don't think Byron Saxton would be a bad play by play guy. They just have to stop having you a, know it would be good goofy
1: guy. I mean, I know that from what it's apparently um they're looking at him or Triple H is looking at him more as like a mean Gene Oakland interviewing person personality, but Jeremy Borash is a good person to lead a uh whatchamacallit, a commentating team. I think he's a damn good play by play um guy. I'm not a big fan. I know you aren't either of Ronaldo. I think he's just a little bit too over the top. But the Mamma Mia! All that bullshit just kills me. I love Nigel McGuinness, but he doesn't lead. I don't know the other gentleman on 205 Live. I always forget his name. Sure, he's, he does a great job, but I have no idea who the hell he is. But, yeah, but, Borash seems like someone that you could definitely use as a commentator. Um, I could learn from Michael Cole, probably, of being a creative mind, like he did in TNA and Impact, and also the commentating machine. Uh, so, who knows? We know that Triple H is going to be implementing some stuff. And I'm looking forward to seeing Jeremy Borash on NXT starting soon. So, uh, cool stuff. <laughs> um, all right, Raw Tag Team Championship match. The Bar defeated Titus Worldwide. Sheamus pinned Apollo after he and Cesaro hit a double-team white noise, which that finisher, I think the white noise, the badass finisher, Cesaro does absolutely nothing. All he does is kind of, like, make sure it pushes down harder. I don't really know. Whatever. Um, I don't care about this match. I really don't. I didn't think it was a bad match. I thought that they actually had a good match. I'm just – I'm kind of over the bar. I think a lot of people are, uh, you know, Titus worldwide. I love I, – I think they're both great wrestlers, but I love Apollo. I think that he's got a lot of potential. And I think they're grooming him, uh, you know uh, – I think they need to groom him on the mic a little bit more, and they kind of take that away with Titus. But, um, I mean, we saw this match like five fucking times, I think. Um, and I think that at WrestleMania, what they should do is just have the bar go against, um, you know, part of the Shield, uh, and then they can also go against the Hardy Boys and Titus Worldwide all at the same time, so I can put my, my hand in a, um, a blender while it's on. Um, Chris, how'd you feel about the tag team match? Maybe I'm just being too mean.
3: I think I would have had less of a problem with it if it wasn't, the build wasn't like, well, Titus O'Neill's won all these singles matches that don't matter, and then they lose the championship match. Um,
1: because, what I do mean, you that's, bark that's. like
3: that's... a seal. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what he's doing? I thought he was doing a dog, <laughs> not a seal, but. I or, you know, the, uh, like, I have no idea. I I think they work okay with the tag team. I uh, you know I like the little. They took the wind out of his sails a little bit. They haven't been giving them as much as many segments with the Titus brand. Like I thought the Titus brand thing was kind of working, and it's like they just like buried it. Uh, and I don't mean buried it by like they made them lose a bunch or because I think it was kind of more of a comedy thing anyways. But they didn't push it. Like they didn't push the envelope on the Titus brand. Like him going after someone like Dean Ambrose or, you know, like trying to continuously grow that brand and and kind of making a joke out of it. And with Dana Brooke being there, I think that's great. But I think it's almost at this point, if you're not pushing it as a comedy thing, then do a heel thing with Dana Brooke. Like she plays that role really well. She did it for Charlotte. She could totally be like your evil manager that turns both of these happy go loving Titus brand people, evil you know, and maybe you get a different edge out on that tag team or something. But the problem is there's, like, there's not a face tag team on Raw. Like, there's no good guys on Raw. <laughs>
1: like, as far
3: as tag teams go. Because the Revival, they're heel. Anderson and Gallows, I mean, they're kind of heels. They're not real. They haven't really been put over as faces. The Bar, also heel. <laughs> like, so they're just kind of stuck in the role as, like, uh, you know, your baby faces. And, uh, I don't know that it necessarily works unless you, you start giving them meaningful wins against like people like the revival and so on and so forth. So it's going to be one of these teams tilting. Either you're going to get the revival being good guys or Anderson and Gallows being good guys. And I expect fully that you get a Seamus Cesaro breakup really soon. And then probably a split because I feel like, um, someone like Seamus, for instance, uh, kind of a, a former heavyweight champion uh, who can play a really good heel role, uh, could be someone that's really good on SmackDown, especially with his size and everything. I think he could become like a dominant force on, on SmackDown and give you some competition with uh, an AJ Styles or or a uh, Sensuke Nakamura that would give them a little bit more room to move if they're going to continue with the brand split. Uh, but the other thing is, like, how long is this Seamus' last WrestleMania? Is he going to be done after this? Because we don't know about the, the spinal stenosis uh, stuff going on. But, I mean, the real thing here is, like, what are they going to do with Cesaro at the end of this? And what tag teams are they going to bring up, you know, from NXT to fill these roles? Because, to me, SmackDown's tag team division has always been better than Raw's. Uh it's just when they moved the New Day over there with the Usos and they had other tag teams underneath them, like they had the Hype Bros and they had uh, American Alpha and they had all these tag teams. That division was kind of rocking. And the Raw Tag Team Division has always been we have three tag teams um, in the Mistrage, which I don't really count as a tag team because they never give them any wins. So it's just kind of weird.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, all right, well, before I move on to the next match. Uh, we have a caller, so I'm going to take a caller. I'm going to take your question, and then uh, we'll go from there. All right. This is probably going to work out horribly. Hey, you're on Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Who is this? Would you let a woman put a strap on on and do you from behind? That's gay. Absolutely not. Unless you, unless it's Wednesday. Oh, you're gay. Go fuck yourself. I love you. All right. Well, why does it always happen like that? I mean. Once in a while, we get a nice caller, you know, and then we we uh, we we interview someone. And then those 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 guys that like to to start shit, those damn trolls. What what are you gonna do about them, Chris? You know. Uh, I don't know. Not worried about it though. All right, well, right, let's keep on going uh, with this wonderful night. All right, Oscar defeated Nia Jax. Oscar reversed a power bomb into a roll up for the pin. After the match, Jax called, attacked Oscar, and put her through a barricade. Um, I actually thought this was a really good match, especially based on the two sides of the ladies, but the ferocity of Asuka. Um, you know, I think Nia's, ca- I've said this before, I think she's come a long way in the last year. I think she's done a hell of a lot better. I mean, they beat the shit out of each other. And uh, the only thing I have a problem with is that the way that this thing ended was very similar to to the way the men's elimination chamber ended, you know, um, instead of Jax uh, throwing Oscar through a barricade, it was Braun Strowman, the male hoss, throwing, um, you know, uh, Roman Reigns through a uh, thing because they both lost. So that's the one thing that's annoying. I didn't think the match was bad. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, Nia Jax is an intimidating presence and Oscar, it took her a minute, but she finally took her down. So, Kudos to her on that. How did you feel about the match? Overall,
3: you know, I, I, I enjoyed the match. I was kind of surprised. Nia's kind of grown on me a little bit. I'm still not the biggest fan of her, but I think that they, you know, the, the finish itself uh, was a little lackluster. You didn't really want to see Asuka win that way. I think they could have done the same thing with, like, an arm bar, but... My biggest problem is, like you said, it was similar, like both monsters getting taken out by like a a simple schoolboy type pin after being very dominant. Um, But you have to have Asuka win this match uh, because they didn't really do anything in the the elimination chamber that would make you think that she was going to lose. Predictability, I guess, was my biggest problem with it. And the curious thing is, are they really just setting? Are they going to be setting up Nia to go against? You know, if Ronda is going to do everything that she was saying in her promos and actually be there week to week and, and become a pro wrestler for real, um, are they setting up a feud between her and Nia? Which is very possible because that seems like the thing to go to first before you go to directly to Asuka, and then you can, whoever wins this Bailey and Sasha match, you can build off, you know, whoever Asuka's next opponent is after Alexa, and then you can just have, you know, Ronda run through the rest of them up to Asuka, so it's, this undefeated streak with Asuka is kind of a ghost, like, in, as far as booking goes, because you have to book around it, um... And you can't, they didn't want to make Nia look weak because they probably have plans with her versus Ronda Rousey to make Ronda Rousey look strong to take on Asuka. So it's just kind of a, it was a weird match, you know, it was a weird match just from a booking standpoint, but overall, like, I thought, the quality of what they were able to put on in the show was, was, it, was a, it was a fun match. I, I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I do agree. Um... Man, Oscar could take She can get hit pretty damn hard Because <laughs> Nia's got a hell of a lot softer about it But she still slams them I mean, pretty hard, man So um, I enjoyed the match I'm glad that you did too um, I also enjoyed No, never mind I didn't enjoy this next part
0: uh,
1: Matt Hardy defeated Bray Wyatt I'm happy that Matt Hardy got the win um, Hardy won by pinfall with Twists of Faith Look This is my thing I like the whole, I think it happened on Raw, maybe it happened that night. It, it's becoming so ridiculous. It's all fucking clumping into one. Um, but where he teleported out of the ring when Bray tried to attack him and uh, he was doing the the weird, you know, noises and stuff like that, saying the obsolete part. Um, if they don't start doing vignettes and it's just going to be promos until mania between the two of them and they don't start incorporating the stuff that actually made the broken Hardy universe stuff, senior Benjamin, uh, Reddy Hardy, brother, Nero, the compound, uh, you know, the, the boats, everything. If they don't start doing that stuff, it's just, it's, it, this is not going to work. It's going to be horrible. And I, I feel for Matt Hardy, the way I felt for Finn Balor. Like I felt that even though I really like Bray Wyatt, it's sucking the life out of him. And we're going to talk about something related to him directly after we talk about this match, but there's some stuff with Bray Wyatt. That's not so, uh, happy for the future, for his career. Um, Chris, how did you feel about this? How do you feel about this going forward to Mania?
3: I, I think it's fine. I feel like they're definitely going to do a, some sort of video package match. I don't think it's going to be an entering match. Um, either it's going to be at the Hardys comp- compound. There's going to be something weird. Uh, my thing is they don't put, like I said, I don't think this works if you try to do a WWE studio quality uh but i i I don't know man i like i've complained about this from the beginning it's not the person i would put madigan right right off the bat i i thought that bray wyatt needed some just some wins over just normal people maybe even an icy title run to rebuild his character a little bit after the randy orton thing um and kind of winning the title and then immediately dropping it and then having that really weird match at Mania. They didn't do enough to build him back up. And then they put him in that feud with Finn, and he he got hurt, and they teased that he was going to basically dress up like Sister Abigail, and that was going to be a thing. So they keep going places with his character and never actually getting there with what they're trying to do. So he's kind of stuck in limbo. So I do feel for Bray Wyatt. Um, because the injury thing sucked maybe that could have ended up being really cool maybe he had a really cool idea for the Sister Abigail character to me it would have been weird but um, I don't think we got to see where they were trying to go and also I don't know that I would have went like the demon Finn Balor directly into Broken Matt Hardy I think Matt Hardy would have been suited very well for uh, someone like the Miz or someone who's really good on the microphone that's would be more freaked out by Matt Hardy being broken. Uh, Because unlike Bray Wyatt, you know, Matt Hardy's character, while people know who it is, it's not established on WWE TV uh, in the same way as Bray Wyatt's character. Everybody knows that Bray Wyatt's kind of like this cult leader weirdo. And I think you could have done that with Matt Hardy. Uh, I think putting him directly against Bray right off the bat, it's like they were just, they're like, I bet people want to see this. Kind of thing, and I felt the same thing, the same way about Finn Balor. I, I, to me, you have to build Bray Wyatt back up for these. What I, what I'm assuming they're going for is like a Sting versus Undertaker or Muda versus Undertaker type thing. Mm-hmm. So for this mystical battle to happen, you have to, they both have to be on the same level. People have to care about them the same amount. And to me, Bray Stock has been kind of down since that WrestleMania match, and they haven't been able to pull him out of that. And I don't know what you do to fix that. Uh, I mean, putting him back on SmackDown might help a lot in kind of separating him. Because, like I said, uh, the thing about Raw is we complain about the booking and we yell about it and stuff, but there is a lot of big sharks in, in a very small pond um, as far as top talent goes on Raw, uh, especially when you consider the push Braun's getting, the fact that Brock, you know, Brock Lesnar's there. You have Roman Reigns, who's their guy. Then you have Dean Ambrose, who's going to be coming back. You have Samoa Joe. You have Seth Rollins. You have The Miz. You have, like, most of their top talent is associated with Raw. They don't know how to really spread them out other than feuding with The Miz. And you just get in this weird situation where it's like, well, you know, Bray thought he was fighting Finn. He lost to Finn. And then he just immediately started fighting, you know, Matt Hardy for – Absolutely no reason, with no build to build this character back up. So it's just kind of like uh, it's hard to really care about feud. I hope that they do something really cool with jo- Jeremy Borash there. Hopefully they can rekindle that magic. Uh, but of the final deletion from TNA, but it's gonna to me it's gonna be a hard sell, and and I'll believe it when I see it if they're able to pull it off, just because of who's in the match. You know the final deletion was Matt versus Jeff Hardy. I mean, that was the selling point. It's brother versus brother. They built that thing for weeks and weeks and made it absolutely ridiculous, and it
1: worked. I I don't know that you can do that with Bray Wyatt. I agree. And, uh, you know, now the rumor on the street is that Bray might be uh, departing WWE because of all his stuff going back with him and his his ex-wife. Just a lot of stuff basically – It was found out that money that he owed his wife for, um, um, I guess, child support or something like that, it was proven, um, I guess, through a a PI or something. I don't don't really know how she got this, but that he was spending it on JoJo on stuff, uh, telling her that he couldn't do it, whatnot. I don't know how much validity is in all that. I just know that Dave Metzler was talking about this being a possibility that there is rumors that they might be releasing uh, Bray uh, after Mania, Uh, because of this, which I'm sure Bray can go on and have a great career at Ring of Honor in New Japan if that's the case. Regardless if he's gonna leave or not, what I think they should do with this, if Bryce stays, that's good. He can start I I keep on saying Bray needs to start up the Wyatt family again. But I would start doing these vignettes, start setting up the found deletion like WWE's promoting on Facebook, like they're gonna do apparently. Let Jerry B. Borash help out Matt Hardy. He already fucking works for you. Give him some money, some funding. Can't be that much. Let him just record a bunch of stuff, have it ready for Mania, and have if he's ready because Jeff is apparently on the track for Mania now. Like apparently now, so he'll be ready if they need him to wrestle for that. Now they could just say screw it, bring him back the Raw after Mania because they have no room for him. And I mean that makes sense. Or you can have involvement in this. Now I said beforehand Bray Wyatt possessing Bo Dallas. Uh, to go against Matt and Jeff. I think, actually, have Jeff run to save his brother, Matt, or at least you think that, and have Jeff snap and turn on Matt. and either he joins the Wyatt family and they start forming it bigger, uh, you know, brother Nero and uh, Bray, and kind of expand that, or it just, if Bray's going to exit, now you can go right into Jeff versus Matt and kind of, like, play with that whole aspect, which we know they can go back and forth with each other, build themselves as single stars and you know if if vince is really if there's that true to it about wanting to get jeff uh, one last title shot now you built him he'll be a heel but maybe you can play with it uh I, i'm not sure exactly uh but uh hearing all those rumors i don't know if you've heard them yourself chris about bray Wyatt possibly leaving after wrestlemania or being released um and being uh obsolete if you will How do you feel about that? And also, do you think that Jeff Hardy, uh, now that he's apparently um, on his way back to wrestling, uh, do you think that he could have any type of involvement with their match, whether it be a run-in or a part of the match itself?
3: I could see him having an involvement in the match from the filming role, maybe, of whatever they decide to do. Uh, But to me... I would save Jeff Hardy until probably Money in the Bank, especially if you want to give him a title run and have him win Money in the Bank because that's his element. And then you build the character from there and he can feud with Matt Hardy and he can cash in kind of whatever he wants. Or you can have him cash in and lose because Matt Hardy interfered in the match and he can go that route. Or you can have Matt Hardy control him because he has the briefcase. I feel like there's a lot more you could do there. And also, I don't want them to rush Matt, like Jeff back too soon. I know he really wants to be a part of us, obviously. Uh, but sometimes, you know, taking that time off can be good for your character as well. Like if he comes out and he wins money in the bank or something crazy like that, even if you decide you want to do a Matt Hardy versus Jeff Hardy kind of thing, you could have the battle of evil be over the briefcase. Uh, but right now, you know, Matt Hardy is being pitched as a good guy with his Woken Army and and kind of, like, they pitched that character, you know, completely as a good guy, which was opposite. You know, Broken Hardy got over as a good guy, but the original concept wasn't that he was a good person. You were supposed to be behind Jeff Hardy (laughs) in that entire storyline. It's just that character is just so crazy and out there that people really started to dig it, you know?
0: Yep. Well,
1: I'm sure we're going to find out one way or the other very soon. Um, Did you want to touch on the uh, Bray Wyatt uh, leaving rumors or anything like that?
3: Yeah, I can touch on that real quick. I haven't read too much into it. Um, I think it would probably be good for Bray Wyatt leaving WWE. And the reason I'll say that is I think it will give him a chance to refresh his character somewhere else. And I don't think WWE knows what to do with him right now. With all of the talent that they have, he's kind of lost in the shuffle. I think in the same sense as, like, a Randy Orton or a Dolph Ziggler is kind of lost in the shuffle with all the people that they brought in. And you have other monsters and dark characters like Aleister Black coming up in in Insanity and War Machine who they're going to want to start building around and maybe Bray Wyatt is just just done in WWE. I hate to say that, uh, but, you know, I think he could go somewhere else, like Ring of Honor or Impact or, or New Japan and do something really, really cool uh, and rebuild himself and come back to WWE eventually if he wanted to. Maybe that is the reason he's looking at it. He's like, I don't think that I'm getting enough here. But that's hard to say. Uh, I think Bray Wyatt knows that he's a really good promo. He knows he's really good in the ring. And he kind of feels like he's just a transition guy for weird characters. Like, whenever they have a weird character, like, the next one would probably be Aleister Black or Velveteen Dream. Are they just going to pitch them directly against Bray Wyatt, or are they going to learn? No. Ugh. So that's, that, God, that that was, was, that's more of my worry is if he stays he's like the transition gate for any character that they have with any kind of darkness or weird character they're going to want him to be involved in. And I don't think he wants to be that guy. I think he wants to separate himself from that, maybe go win a title. So if he's, if he's out there saying that he might be leaving after WrestleMania, it's not that far fetched. The fact that they're calling this thing the deletion, he could have already asked for a release, but, uh, and, I mean, it will do good things for Matt's character, and I think Matt's character is something that you can build around if you do it right. I don't know, I don't know where you go from there other than Matt versus Jeff. Um, because, I, I, you know, Matt's a, I think Matt's gimmick is really, really just Jeff was always kind of the bigger star, and I think that's how Vince sees it. And to me, at the end of the day, that the end goal is Matt versus Jeff for a title or for a money in the bank or something with that being the feud leading up to it. So I I honestly have no answer for you on what they're going to be doing with with Bray if if he sticks around. I mean, he may, you know, I thought Dolph was going to leave, but money talks and bullshit walks, so to speak, so. We'll see. I mean, WWE well, may be able to hang on to him.
1: Uh, you must have misunderstood me, but uh, WWE's thinking. Uh, the rumor is WWE's thinking about getting rid of Bray Wyatt because of this whole scandal with his wife, because they don't want to deal with it. And that after Mania, that's his last thing, and then afterwards he's booted from the WWE.
3: Uh, oh, so it's not so. him leaving because his wife is going possibly getting fired. Because my thought was that he yeah. has similar situations to other superstars in the past. Um, that's that's kind of how I read it, but maybe I just misread. I mean, that's very, very possible. So, uh, either way, you know, I don't think WWE feels like they're at a huge loss because I feel like they have, they have weird characters they can replace him with. Yep. And they don't really have anything for him to do right now. I, I don't think they know what they're I mean, doing yeah. with
1: very well. I think it all goes back to that, and I agree with you. And honestly, I think Bray would really do well in Ring of Honor in in that type of setting. And also, the the reason why I say Ring of Honor over New Japan is because me and you both, I think, would agree that Bray Wyatt, for his size, is damn good in the ring. But he's a what he wants to be, he's a damn good promo. So if you send him to Japan, if he's one of Ring of Honor guys like Cody that's constantly over in Japan, they'll treat him like a – a superstar over there because of the fact that he's an ex WWE guy and he can have the best of both worlds. I think that Bray could really expand and even possibly, like you said, maybe come back if if cooler heads prevail later on, but there's nothing for him right now. Um, You know, they're doing their thing with the bludgeon brothers. I think it's a little bit ridiculous, but I still like it to an extent. I would rather see the Y family back with the three of them, but you know, that's not going to happen. So if Bray's going, Bray's going, um, it is weird because I love Jeff Hardy back when I was younger. I loved him a lot more when I was younger uh, than I do now. I still think he's an incredible wrestler, but it was definitely his crazy antics and his face paint and his colored hair that got me intrigued. Matt's always been the guy I think that's better on the mic. Jeff was definitely more physical, but Matt still has done some crazy stuff. But that's how Vince McMahon's always seen him. That's, he's, he's literally seen Jeff as a draw. And that's probably true. Jeff was one of the biggest guys in WWE for a very, very long time and held TNA for a part, part-time until, well, you know, um, Victory Road against Sting, that kind of, yeah. But either way, Jeff's on a really a better level. Um, who knows? I'll definitely enjoy seeing the Hardys. I want to see Matt versus Jeff eventually. So whether that be a turn that happens at Mania or like you were suggesting at Money in the Bank, I think that would be really good. Let's go on to the second to the last thing that happened, at Elimination Chamber, we have the Ronda Rousey signing.
0: I'll give it like a
1: brief overview of everything. Kurt Angle, Stephanie McMahon, and Triple H introduced Ronda Rousey for her contract signing and noted that the contract comes with a WrestleMania match, although it would not be a championship match. Triple H uh, let her know that immediately. Uh, Angle revealed that McMahon, that Steph, and Triple H wanted to sign Rousey just to have control over her and keep her in place. Triple H escorted Engel away saying he had the flu and then tried to break up an altercation between McMahon and Rousey caused by a further comment from Engle. Uh, Rousey put Triple H through a table and then got slapped by Stephanie, who then immediately ran away. Rousey signed her contract and tossed it at Triple H's body while he was down on the table. Um, so the, the bigger things about this, a lot of people are, are really criticizing Ronda Rousey's promo ability. Yeah, she was, she's not going to be the best. I think she could use a mouthpiece. I think all of us really know that. It would be weird for uh, Paul E. to come out with her to, um, you know, uh, Joan Jett, uh, whatever the hell the name of the song is. Obviously, I've screwed up before on the show, so I'm not going to do it again. But uh, bad reputation, I think. Um, But still, I think that he would help her out a lot. I'm not going to give her as much crap, because here's the thing. And Stone Cold said the same thing, so I feel a little bit vindicated. This is her first time... In, engulfed in this big of an audience ever in her career she's set to go out she probably has apprehensions a little bit and was extremely nervous that the crowd's not going to be behind her because of obvious stuff and they really started you know, uh, cheering for her so I think it took her a little bit off guard and she was trying to get everything out she got a little bit into her emotions she was she was good Monday and her performance level of when she turned on the round of Rousey, like that that mean stare that she's got um, you know, halfway through the, against Stephanie and Triple H was great. I thought Kurt Angle was, was awesome. I don't know where the hell any of this is coming from. I don't know why Triple H punched him in the face on Raw at the end of it. I'm so confused. Um, there's rumors that it might be Bobby Lashley coming in to help out Ronda Rousey. They're making it look like it's going to be Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie.
0: Um,
1: I really liked her on Raw. Uh, you know, yeah, she's got, she, need, she has some improvement, but her, her training videos has been awesome. The fact that, along with, um, you know, we knew that uh, Brian, um, the real Brian Kendrick was training her. Natalia and uh, Charlotte have also been training her as well. Um, so, I'm stoked on her. I think that she's going to do great. I think everyone needs to, like, chill the fuck out. You know, just, just re- realize where she's coming from. Even being a UFC fighter, that's not as big as an audience as where they were. So um, as far as the signing and everything, I'm just wondering why Kurt Angle is now turning into his, you know, 1999, 2000 self. I'm just being this bumbling guy all of a sudden. I really wish that they would turn on what we saw with Kurt Angle getting in Triple H's face after uh, Survivor Series saying, you know, you better not fuck with me again, basically. That Kurt Angle I liked the most, uh, where he was going back on everyone because he was like, he's had it. But now he's kind of, like, saying stuff like, yeah, they just wanted to, you know, control you. And then what did he say? It was like a line like, didn't you say, it like, in three years um, we'll have her and she'll be our little bitch? And, he, and like, Triple H say, all right, that's enough. It's enough, Kurt. Let's go. Uh, you get the flu and pneumonia. If you had double pneumonia, you wouldn't be there. But whatever. You know, that's fine. I'm just saying that the same was all right. I'm really looking forward to Ronda Rousey. And uh, someone help out uh, Kurt Angle find his jaw from that, that hit that Triple H gave him that he missed by about two inches. Chris, what do you think?
3: Um, I get the hate on this thing because it was drawn out way too, way too long. long. Uh, mostly the fake tension between Steph and Triple H and Kurt Angle I think was the worst part. It's like literally building towards a tag match, and it was absolutely awful to me. I think Ronda Rousey, like you said, I do believe emotions kind of overcame her a little bit. And also, her talking in front of live crowds usually was after a UFC fight. This is the first time she's ever coming out and cutting a promo, so I'm not going to give her as much hate there. Uh, Just kind of a weird thing overall, man. And uh, Monday Night Raw didn't make it any better where they basically went to the well twice. It wasn't necessarily a contract signing. It was more like, I guess, a curting apology. I don't know, but I like what she was saying. She was saying like, I don't want to be Brock Lesnar. Don't expect me to be Brock Lesnar. Cause she doesn't want to get put in pigeonholed like Brock Lesnar does, where people are mad because he's working part time or he's just getting handed title shots when he comes right back. Um, I think that part of it was just giving the fans, like, a security blanket of, like, hey, look, she's not going against Oscar for the title at WrestleMania or Charlotte for the title at WrestleMania. Like, calm the fuck down. Uh, so her lines were very, very written. I do wish they would have just went the Paul Heyman route right off the bat and had Paul Heyman come out to know music and then introduced her because, like, that would have been better uh, for someone that's never really cut a promo in front of that many people. But uh, I didn't have as much criticism either for Ronda Rousey as some other people do. I think she's still a huge draw. I think she's still getting pops. It's just don't put her in boring-ass segments with Triple H and Stephanie because you're going to lose the audience. And they did that kind of towards the end of that until she slammed him through the table on the pay-per-view. And then the same thing happened kind of on Raw, where people started to just be like, we just kind of want this to be over. Uh, I think that's the that's the biggest worry is the two people that you're immediately putting her against people don't care about, like the idea of the authority at this point five years later, no one gives a shit about.
1: Oh, I agree, and I dude one of the rumors I don't like is that Stephanie sees this as her way to be able to build her own stone cold if she's vince. I hope none of that bullshit's true. I don't don't want to see that. Just, Steph, go back to doing whatever. You're a great promo. You're a great heel. We'll see you soon. But let's not get engulfed in the product and try to do that whole entire thing. It doesn't, it's it's not going to work. I mean, it's kind of worked in the past, but Dan O'Brien kind of, CM Punk kind of, you know, definitely. But just quit trying to go to the well, like you said. I completely agree. All right, let's go over our last Elimination Chamber match. Roman Reigns. Guys, guys, everyone calm down that's listening. Even that asshole that called earlier. Go fuck your mother, by the way. Uh, Roman Reigns won the match. He did it. He defeated Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman, John Cena, Elias, and the motherfucking Miz. All right. Let me go over a little uh, brief part of this, and then we'll kind of go into it. Strowman eliminated five men with a running power slam, starting with the Miz. Elias was eliminated second, then Cena. Balor hit Reigns with a coup de grace, but was caught by Strowman, eliminated as well. Strowman reversed a curb stop into a power slam to eliminate Rollins. Reigns finally ended the match by pinning Strowman with a spear, and the main event of WrestleMania 34 will be Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship. After the match, Strowman hit two power slams on Reigns and threw him to a chamber pod. So... This was this was a fun match. I did like the girls' match better, but I still enjoyed this match, too, um, especially how they were building Strowman. I mean, if you're going to make him lose, you might as well have him take out everyone uh, throughout the course of the thing. He At one point, he was literally getting everyone's finishers back to back to back to back, and he's still kicked out. Uh, that's the part where he... I don't know how this man climbs, runs, does everything so fast, but when Miz was on the top of the chamber and you see Stroman in a split second heading up on top. And then Corey Graves goes, Oh my God, it's frightening. And Michael Cole goes, it looks like King Kong is, is scaling the empire state building. It really fucking did. Uh, I loved it when he threw Miz off, uh, even though it had that awkward concept where the guys are all like kind of walking around like zombies in the walking dead, you know, waiting for the guy to like get thrown off the pod, but yeah, that's whatever. Um, my biggest thing, though, I mean, Reigns did great with that promo on Monday, and we can kind of incorporate that with this talk right now, Chris. I think he did great with this promo. Uh, we'll go a little bit more into the whole entire Brock Lesnar fiasco after this. But Stroman should have won. I'm sorry. It really should have been Strowman. Um, I, if you're going to do that, Strowman should have stayed down at the end of it. R- Roman had to uh, keep on getting on to him after everyone was like, you know, Four way teaming him and and trying to like take him out, so the monster the beast was getting, you know, progressively messed up and that kind of made sense towards the story that Roman's able to take him out. Braun power slams him twice and throws him to a pod. What, why the hell is Roman even winning at that point? I mean, you just made your your winner that's supposed to be able to take out Brock Lesnar, Braun's little bitch again. So, I just feel bad because even if even if Roman's able even if even if all that Brock Lesnar stuff is BS. This is all work completely, 100%. And it's all a way to get make Roman get more over. And they do. Roman's going to lose at the Braun pretty quickly afterwards. It can't be, like, oh, my God, if it's longer than SummerSlam and you haven't put the fucking belt on Braun Strowman, I, I don't even know, like, I don't think he's going to SmackDown anytime soon is what I'm trying to say either. So I don't know. Uh, I did enjoy the match. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, These guys beat the living shit out of each other. Uh, You guys can say what you want about Sasha um, Banks' off-the-rope frog splash, but the one that Seth Rollins did and the one he did on Monday Night Raw 2 across the ring was fucking awesome. So, yeah. Um, Chris, what do you think about all this?
3: I I highly enjoyed the match. I thought it was a lot of fun. I really liked all of Miz's spots. Miz has become kind of a staple in these matches of having like these great moments, the original not get out of the pod, uh like him running up the cage and Braun chasing after him was fucking great, even though like you said, there was the awkward moment. But obviously they're not just gonna sling him down to his death. Uh if it was like if it was like any other Federation though, they probably would have just tossed him off that bitch and had him land. Which would have been awesome. Uh but it made sense WWE, you know, safety wise of not doing that. Um So I thought The Miz was great, especially considering he went out so early. Um, I really liked Braun getting all the eliminations. It was kind of what we thought it was going to be. I felt like there was more they could have done with the structure of the elimination chamber, considering Braun, like, flips semi-trucks and shit, which I had, like, kind of alluded to previously, of having him just break the, like, break, (laughs) which they ended up doing, like, having him just break the pod immediately and go out there and start kicking people's ass. I think that would have added to his character a little bit. Not that he needs it, but I am on the same page with you. I think you could have had Braun win here. It would have meant a little more. And I think the feud between Roman and Seth would have meant more than, you know, Seth is inevitably going to end up. Probably The Miz and Finn Balor at WrestleMania That's my guess. That's kind of what it looks like is going to happen. And I think, you know, even if Seth wasn't even the title or Roman wasn't in the title, I think Seth versus Roman is a bigger draw than either of those two matches that they're coming out, you know, going into or what they're building towards. Um, but overall, I like the match. I thought the match was uh, a lot of fun. It was fun to watch, but I just, where do they go from here? It's exactly what they built you know exactly what we were kind of talking about almost six months ago, where it's like, no, it's going to be Roman and Brock at WrestleMania. So, uh, no matter what. Pro- yeah, as far as Roman pro- Roman's promo went, I-, I thought it was a really, really good promo. I think most of that is a work. I think my guess is they didn't really want to have Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar there while doing the Ronda Rousey shit. Uh, I think maybe they're trying to spread him out a little bit and that's just how that worked out. And mm-hmm. they used it, you know, in a promo. Uh, I doubt Brock, like no show to show considering he works like, I don't know, like 12 dates a year or something for a massive contract. I, that seems more like a word than uh an actual storyline to get on. Yeah.
1: And, and I kind of agree with you. Um, Apparently, from what I'm hearing, uh, and this is, this is the, the Wrestling Insider himself, Dave Metzler, he believes that what he thinks happened is that maybe WWE actually did get aggravated about Brock being in town to be able to you know be at the Elimination Chamber or whatever and having those pictures come out with Dana White shortly after that. Dana White thinks he's going to be signing him soon. So they've told Brock, don't worry about it, stay off Raw. Maybe told them what they were going to do and manipulated what was originally scripted for Roman to say to Brock's face and just gave Roman the basis because apparently some of that was scripted from what insiders say. And like, but when Roman said something about like, you know, his family was born to this, like the passion behind it uh, was real and some of the add ons from the thing was very genuine, basically, but most of it was just applied from what was supposed to be their confrontation. Um, what was really weird is that Paul Heyman wasn't even there, which usually he's there, uh, even if Roman isn't, if they're in the same type of concept, who is actually in real life, uh, Brock Lesnar's manager, which a lot of people don't know, just like Jimmy Hart in real life is actually Hulk Hogan's manager, which is crazy. Um, I don't think they realize the whole kayfabe, you know, work thing. I don't know. Maybe they do. Um, but if that's the case, cool. Um, even if even if it's Brock wasn't even supposed to be there, I don't know why you would advertise that you're going to have Mon. Um, that seems really stupid, but maybe it'll work out for him. Uh, Roman did have a killer promo. Um, there's also something going around apparently that Brock only has one more contracted thing on his left on his um, his contract, and that's WrestleMania. So he doesn't even have to show up for, the, for anything else, anyways. Regardless, so I don't know what the hell's going on. We're going to go into it. I think that's pretty much all the information about it. There's also a further rumor that, that Dave Metzler was talking about um, on the Wrestling Observer that Braun right now doesn't have anything definite because if either Roman Reigns um, if either Roman Reigns with this whole entire steroid thing, if that happens and goes, goes into a very bad zone, or if Braun pisses them off enough, he's there as someone that they can get in there uh, or try to find something within the next, like, three weeks after they have a better grasp on that. I don't know how true that is either. You know, even Dave Metzler, the guy uh, talking about this, he's even saying that this is conjuncture that he's hearing. So keep that for what you will. Don't expect Braun to be in the main event all of a sudden, and this is definitely going to happen. But there's a lot of shit going on regardless. Uh, Chris, do you have any other statements before we move on to our news topics? I mean, uh, come on, I'm on the
3: exact same page as you as far as how they're treating. I To me, it seems, I, I think Dave Meltzler might be wrong on this one, and it's literally, they just didn't want Braun to overshadow Ronda Rousey in any way, shape, or form. They wanted this to be Ronda Rousey's big moment on Raw, on TV for the first time, and they're like, the best way to do that is to just not have, you know, Braun. Roman, because that's what everyone's wanting. I, I think Roman did a, a good promo. I think they gave him a little bit of fuel. One thing I would say about Roman is they need to go the route that they did with the Usos with him, is, and just let him be himself, because they, when they moved the Usos to SmackDown, if you remember, right before that, they were like helping Roman Reigns, because Roman Reigns was getting jumped by a bunch of people, and when they came out on SmackDown, they were a completely different thing. Um, I don't think you have to go a heel route with him, but let him put a little bit of edge. Um, and I think he was able to do that a little bit uh, on his promo. But just in general, just let him be more of himself. I feel like they they want him to be John Cena-esque in the way he talks. And, and I think as the Usos have proven, that's not necessarily the best method. Like, just let, like some wrestlers, just let them be their self. I think his natural cocky persona is going to be more over than you guys – being like, I don't really care if I'm good or I'm bad, which is kind of what they've been doing with him for a long time. Um, so outside of that, yeah, I don't I, – I pretty much agree with everything you said. I, I think you were spot on.
1: Yeah, I, and I, I've been saying this for a long time. The last thing I'll say about Roman is instead of trying to get him to be the next John Cena or your next big draw, figure out that person and let Roman be who what he's becoming, and that is the next Undertaker – the guy that can always be in main events. You can put the belt on. He'll be someone that you have. Try to go for longevity with him, with the actual company. You, WWE started Roman. Obviously, Undertaker was uh, mean Mark Calloway in WCW before that. But Roman doesn't have to be the spotlight. He doesn't have to be the Stone Cold Steve Austin. He doesn't have to be the Rock, the John Cena. Being the locker room leader that he already is, that's the, John, that, that's the Undertaker role. You had him beat the Undertaker let him just be that guy. Doesn't mean that you can't put the belt on him, but quit. I don't understand Vince's obsession with trying to get this guy over. It drives everyone nuts. I am assuming it's driving Triple H nuts. I don't care how many times he says it doesn't. Because I'm sick I think he's sick of you know, Vince's guys not working out, whether it be a Drew McIntyre or be a Roman Reigns and stuff like that, you know. So you'd much rather see guys that he's gotten up there like Finn Balor, Seth Rollins. Um, and uh, Kevin Owens, obviously guys that he he inspired, but it's it's whatever. This is Vince's Vince's product. We're going to see what happens, but all I think it does is really hurt Roman. Roman's a badass worker. He's a good wrestler. He's showing potential on the mic, and uh, trying to force him to become the number one guy in the company is not going to happen anytime soon. He can still be one of the top wrestlers. I mean, look at the Undertaker. Look at him, okay? Yeah, the new generation is where he primarily is known for, with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. But he, was, he started in the Hulk Hogan era, right at the end of that. He was in the Attitude Era, one of the main players there. He was one of the main players as, you know, the bike rider uh, in the uh, Ruthless Aggression Era. He kept on going, kept on going, kept on going. He was always relevant. He doesn't have, like, uh, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm over this whole entire thing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Roman. I hope they really get him built. And I'm going to look forward to him beating Brock Lesnar, but it should be Braun Strowman or Seth Rollins. One of those guys are on fire. Uh, I don't even know what the hell they're going to do with Elias. There's a lot of stuff with Mania that kind of concerns me, but just keep on trying. we got some, some new stuff. Uh, we got 30 minutes, Chris, so we're going to run these down kind of quickly. So I'm going to say the news uh, item, uh, ask for your opinion, and we'll send it back and we'll do that whole entire thing. It would happen at, um, on a rising um, where after the Golden Lovers beat Marty Scurll and Cody Rhodes, they declare themselves the best tag team in the world. The Young Bucks came out, had a problem with that. We're getting the Bucks versus the Golden Lovers, Kota Bushi and Kenny Omega. How do you feel about that? And is the Bullet Club okay?
3: I think the Bullet Club is going to be fine as long as the Young Bucks are a part of it. Uh, I think they're they... – they're a huge staple there. And I like, I like we talked about on, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, I think there's ways to make the Bullet Club even cooler. There's people you can bring in. You could even go the route of making, you know, Okada a member of the Bullet Club. Uh, so there's lots of cool stuff that you can still do with the Bullet Club. I think it makes sense to break Kenny away from them at this point. So I didn't really have a problem with it uh, overall and it's kind of just more of what we talked about. I think they're definitely leaning leaning towards trying to make Kenny Omega a huge baby face Um, and then give him a title run, which I don't know if that means you're turning Okada completely heel, which he's kind of already heelish anyways, uh, by joining the Bullet Club, maybe doing like kind of a Hulk Hogan-type deal or whatever they end up doing with him. But I, I feel like this is how they want to build Kenny Omega to win the title is for him to have to overcome the bullet club and all those demons and separate him out as this great great singles competitor uh,
1: who has to do everything overcome everything to become the champion
3: and I feel like that's a that's a good way to do it
1: um and who do you want to see win between the golden lovers and the bucks?
3: I mean, I feel like the bucks have to win because the end goal is not to have the Golden Lovers be a tag team. It's to have Kenny Omega in I, – I don't know. It depends on if they're going to pull the trigger on it right away or if they want to wait down the line. If, if they're going to wait – if they're going to go down the line, you could have three matches between those those tag teams or you could have Kenny Omega win right away and then just immediately end the Golden Lovers and then go on his own. Uh, I think Kenny Omega needs to be on his own against the Bullet Club. I think that's what built his character. Uh, it's fine with the tag team right now. Uh, what I hope it doesn't turn into is like a weird com- combination of different New Japan factions where you have like Okada, Kenny Omega and some other <laughs> factions versus the Bullet Club. That's like Worst case, like, 6v6 matches and stuff. Like, I hope they don't go there. I don't think they will. But I I feel like, I don't know. It's weird. It's because I feel like it's a gap to wherever they're taking Kenny Omega. So, I I think you give Bullet Club the first win, then you probably have a rematch and have Kenny Omega do most of the work and win, and then him, you know, get beat down. Maybe his tag partner becomes a member of the Bullet Club. I, I don't know. It seems like one of those things where, like, even if his team wins, he still has to be the guy that gets screwed over. So to me, how they book that is relevant because I think they're just going to end up with Kenny Omega versus the Bullet Club by itself at the end of the day. I think that's what they're what they're aiming for, uh, similar to what they kind of did with AJ Styles, before, you know, before he left and, and a few other wrestlers. Where once you're out of the Bullet Club, the Bullet Club is fully against you, uh, which makes sense because it's like the mafia gang mindset, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I also believe the Young Bucks are going to win. I think they're going to have a long match. If the Golden Lovers do win the match, though, I expect some shit where, like, you know, them and the Young Bucks, like, Kenny's hugging them and shit like that, and then Cody comes out to raise some hell. Some type of direction like that. My biggest thing is, let's not have and kind of like you said this, but more so, let's not have split bullet clubs. I don't want to see that. It just seems like it'll be the end. Same thing they did with the NWO. I love the idea of what you said of, like, Okada becoming, like, even the next leader. But even crazier would be if Kenny joins someone else um, after it doesn't work out with uh, him and Kota Ibushi. We'll have to wait. All right, question, Chris. Uh, So there's been lots of stuff with Rey Mysterio and obviously Bobby Lashley. Uh, Rey is trying not to go for a full-time contract, but is, like, ironing out with WWE. We know he's uh, going against Jushin Thunder Liger soon uh, for one of his last dates, I guess, before this. There's been rumors that he might face Cena or someone else at Mania, and then there's rumors that he would be starting uh, right after the Raw after Mania. Uh, Ray said there's been many sources saying he's going to be going against someone at Mania, but Ray himself has said that's not going to happen. Bobby Lashley, yeah, there's rumors that he might be going with Ronda Rousey, but mainly there's a lot more stuff that's not going to happen until after. What do you feel about those two uh, joining the mix? Uh, Would you like to see him on SmackDown or Raw, obviously, and uh, what do you think is going to happen?
3: I think Ray is a very, very surprise uh, WrestleMania appearance. I don't know who they, how they would work that in because I don't know what that card's going to be structured like, but I feel like that might be their surprise guy like they did with the Hardys last year to have Rey Mysterio again as another surprise of like, oh, shit, Rey Mysterio is going to be doing something, whatever it is. Maybe, I, I, I don't know what title, I guess US title, maybe I don't, there was a ton of stuff they could do with him. Uh, so I feel like he could be a surprise mania thing and they would tell him to keep that on the down low anyways, uh, the same way that they did the Hardys. As far as Bobby Lashley, um, if they're going to bring him in, I, I think it would more make more sense to put him in NXT first. And not because I think his skill level is like, you need to go to NXT. It's just, I don't know where you directly input him in at, but like you go straight to SmackDown, like, because on Monday Night Raw, you already have Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman and Samoa Joe. You already have those like, tough guy fighter kind of characters. Um, well, so he, the he's, rumor he's was, a little harder to peg.
1: The rumor was that um, originally they wanted him against uh, Brock Lesnar uh, after Brock lost the title to Roman at Mania. But now we don't even know if uh, if Brock's going to be hanging around at all past that. So I have no idea where they would put him. I don't know if they would try to replace uh, Rob moves into being basically the Brock Lesnar and then Bobby Lashley takes that space of one of the other big guys for Raw. I have no idea. Know I mean, my main
3: worry with that is you're diminishing every other wrestler on your roster. If you bring in a Bellator guy and you're like, well, he beat Brock. So now he's the new UFC champion guy. To me, it diminishes people like Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. If they can't beat Brock, you know, and then like well, this dude comes in and beat Brock in his first match, even if Brock doesn't have the title, say that say that somehow Roman pulls off a miracle, wins the title at WrestleMania. You still make every other wrestler that fought Brock Lesnar look weak. And Bobby Lashley is no Brock Lesnar in the ring. I mean, he's he's okay. But he's not even close, like ring skill wise. He's not even close to Brock Lesnar. He has the amount of name value as Brock Lesnar, and that's not the shit on Brock. Like not the shit on Bobby Lashley. I like Bobby Lashley. I think he was very entertaining in TNA, and I think he's a, a good fighter at Bellator. And he obviously has been a previous ECW, you know, I guess, an ECW champion in WWE. I just don't think he's on that level that they're gonna put him directly against Brock. Like Brock Lesnar, because I don't think he has really the name value. I think if they were able to get someone like Sun in, maybe, but more realistically for me, you're going to have like Bobby Lashley versus like Alistair Black on NXT or something, uh, and maybe they put that on some kind of pay per view, which would be more fun to watch. Uh, but I, I just I I've no I've seen that rumor floating out there, and I just don't see it coming to fruition.
1: Yeah, apparently it would have uh, they would have had it back and forth and would have built to SummerSlam and that's when they would have gone against each other. But anyways, um, do you think Cena versus Taker is actually going to happen? Taker is apparently I still training. I, I don't.
3: I think Cena squashed it and maybe uh, they might pull that out at SummerSlam or something. I think they might save it. I think they're going to have a lot of matches for WrestleMania. Um. I think they're banking on the Ronda Rousey thing. I don't think they necessarily think they need Undertaker for WrestleMania. Uh, I I think that Cena's promo made sense with what he was doing, and I don't know that Undertaker is necessarily ready to come back. He may never come back. Who knows? Uh, but it the fact that they're kind of dropping it here or there, like he's like, well, they won't let it happen, so I'm gonna go smack them. <laughs>
1: It's possible. Uh, yeah, what I could see playing out, basically, is, like, you know, John's going to go and be in this match for no fucking reason. I don't know why they're not having him have a match against Shinsuke. You know, since Shinsuke doesn't seem like he has anything going on. Or is he going against Rusev? I don't remember. doesn't matter. He's a part of this five-way challenge. He loses, shows up on SmackDown, gives another, you know, on John Cena. You know, I, I know it. I know what having uh, problems is and and all all this bullshit. Um, It's like, John, if you wanted to have a fucking spot on Mania, you can have a spot on Mania. Give me a break. That's when I would expect The Undertaker to come in is like that next time, you know, all of a sudden he answers this challenge or some shit. I don't want it to happen. I see all these videos of Taker training. I could care less uh, about... I I want The Undertaker to be healthy. And I'm glad he's walking better, but I love that excuse. Well, now as soon as you go to... his hip worked on. He's work, He's walking better. So let's fuck up that now after he got surgery on his hip. That's a great idea. If it happens, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it. But, you know, after watching him struggle with Roman, that was kind of hard. Uh, we already talked about Brock and Roman. What about Mr. Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano, out of NXT? And the rumor is that on the pre-show, we might be actually getting Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa at Mania. Um which it seems like there's going to be 50 fucking matches on this thing. It's going to be eight hours. But still, how do you feel about that rumor? Um, and also, what do you think, what's going to happen with Johnny now that he's done with NXT? I'm stoked for that
3: that match. I think that match could be a, a show stealer, uh, just because of how well they built that feud. Um, but I feel like he's going to end up on 205 lot.
1: God, you got, like, one of the biggest baby faces uh, for this generation. I, You're probably right.
3: I, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. And I also think with the Cena thing, instead of getting Undertaker... No, I agree with you.
1: Which,
3: going back to the Cena thing, just real quick, I think you could totally mm-hmm. get Rey Mysterio instead of Undertaker.
1: I think that's what's going like, to No-Taker, Rey's lying.
3: Yeah. I, I think that's a very big possibility, but... But, uh, yeah, I like. I feel like both those cats end up on 205 Live because they're going to try to build that brand, and I think those are two guys that you can definitely build the brand around.
1: Or, I, but uh, the thing Chompa is, it scares me. Gargano. I, I, I think that you would agree with this, Chris. If they're going to put a talent like Johnny Gargano on there, do you think they're going to send Ricochet eventually on the 205 Live?
3: Here's the thing I don't have a problem with is if you're putting talent like Johnny Gargano on there and and Roderick Strong and Ricochet, that could end up being the best show on all of WWE. Good Uh, point. So I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I
1: think think that's the way you should be leading it.
3: Yeah. I mean, as long as it's booked in the right direction and you're not just giving these guys like two minutes of time on – Monday Night Raw and expecting them to get over. uh, I think they're putting talent in the right place. If they're like, we're going to do 205 Live and we're going to do it right and we're going to give them the most talent they can have, then hell yeah, put Ricochet there. Make him like the top heel. You know, like bring Brian Kendrick back. There's a ton of, ton of, ton of shit that they can do with 205 Live that I am not against at all. Because I think that could be one of the better shows if if done properly, uh, especially if they're putting you know Gargano and Champa, and you have uh, uh, Hideo Itama, and you're going to get Ricochet, and you're going to start getting more of these Thunder guys. Alexander, yeah. Now you have a show. Before yep. they just had a bunch of people from the tank, like the cruiserweight tournament. Now now they have a show. That makes a huge difference, in my opinion. But I, if Ricochet wins that title or something, he should just immediately drop it and go to Raw or SmackDown. I, I don't want to see Ricochet there, because I think that he is a fucking superstar.
1: No, I completely agree with you, and that's what I'm scared of. But I do like what you're saying. Um you know, even Buddy Murphy, I really, I really liked him. And uh, Aleister Black was sending a bunch of tweets because they had a match, and apparently he's really impressed with them. So, well, we'll see. They're, they're building their talent over there. Tyler Batesman over there. I just think a combination show between NXT and 205 Alive, two-hour show, both rosters, you know, let them do whatever. Two titles, they have a tag title. But we've talked about that at length, so we'll go on. Hey, Chris, let me ask something. Has hell frozen over because Jeff Jarrett is being inducted into WWE Hall of Fame?
3: I think hell has frozen over because Vader hasn't been inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, and I think his <laughs> career accomplishments are way fucking... Unless you're talking about the fact that Jeff Jarrett gave Vince man his only competition in years with TNA when he built TNA originally from like 2005 to 2008. Unless you're, unless you're inducting him as a promoter and not as a wrestler, um, I just don't see it. And they're not going to acknowledge anything he did in TNA or AAA or any of like the actual good wrestling work he did. They're going to acknowledge like he was a champion in WCW, and he also is the dude that lost the Intercontinental title to China, who they're also not inducting in the Hall of Fame. So, like, it's weird. It's a weird, weird thing. I don't disagree with it, but they're not going to acknowledge any of the accomplishments that make him worthy of being there, so it's kind of crazy.
1: He was on a um, a radio show uh, talking about it. I think it was ESPN. The they were just talking, uh, asking about it, and apparently uh, AJ might be inducting him, um, so maybe I think it's more so that's how WWE is, though. It's like the, your body of work uh, more so than just your specific time with the WWE. I think Vader needs to be in there. I think next year, China, I think, is honestly going to get inducted. I think they've been, like, really, really saying her name a lot more uh, lately. But I don't have a problem with Jeff Jarrett. I do think that a lot of other people are deserve it more. I'd like to see Cornette going in there, man. You know, I, I know that sounds crazy, but after this and the fact that he inducted the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame... Get corny in there, you know. If, if if this is really just like a wrestling, well, since since I own everything, you know, let's induct whoever for their body of work. That's fine, but Vader definitely needs to go in there, um, and China definitely needs to go in there. Uh, I think they should have a a China uh, battle royal at WrestleMania uh, to you know she was the ninth wonder of the world. So you have that happen right after the uh, the the Andre battle royal. Uh, but I don't see, I don't see them going that far. Um, last but not least, before we start exiting out, uh, Chris apparently uh, Stephen Regal was at some PWG shows and some other indie promotions scouting talent. And two of the people that they're, uh that he was looking into that I've been contacted, Dave Metzler was saying was Keith Lee and Walter. Now I know a lot more about Keith Lee, and I'm a huge fan. Uh, the size of that guy and the fact that he can move and talk also, uh, for his size, uh, well, more moving, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, he's good on the mic and Walter, I've seen him in matches with Keith Lee. He's definitely a hoss kind of reminds me of almost like a gorilla monsoon, this huge dude. That's just intimidating. And, you know, or, or like, a am not King Kong Bundy. Cause he's not that big. He's tall and just like stout. Uh, but Keith Lee is a badass. uh, How do you feel about the potential of either one of those guys in NXT?
3: I think that Keith Lee will be amazing. I'm not – I don't know enough about the other guy to make an honest assessment. I think Keith Lee's a a phenomenal athlete, and I think he can go really, really far, especially in NXT and maybe even further uh, in the WWE if booked properly.
1: Yeah, I I do agree, man. Uh, He's just – He's got a, he's got a look. He's got a sensibility. Another person apparently, uh, they had Jeff Cobb uh, come to SmackDown, and he had like a little official, you know, name tag for SmackDown with his name on it that he posted online. That I'm assuming WWE told him to, because if not, they'd probably like yell at him immediately. But Jeff Cobb's is another wrestler, man. He I know him more from Lucha Underground as his kind of like Kane-inspired uh, Matanza quiarto but. I've also seen him as his Olympic, you know, more like a giant Kurt Angle, basically. And the dude's not only a Haas, but he actually can move really well. So I'd love to see Keith Lee and also um, Jeff Cobb uh, in NXT coming up soon. Here's a question. Uh, did you did you get a chance, before we uh, get out of here, did you watch uh, last night's NXT?
3: I have not yet. Uh, it's on my things to do tonight after we get off the podcast.
1: Well, it seems like you know, and I'm not really revealing anything. It's kind of been like Alistair Black's been talking about how he wants Almas. Well, him and um, Killian Dane are going to have their match next week. Um, a lot of people are predicting it's going to be Almas versus Black uh, at Takeover Mania Weekend. Does Alistair Black become the NXT champion that night?
3: I think that's a I think that's a good prediction. It's very. Uh... I think maybe put the title on him now, and then you set up a rematch on a pay-per-view. I think that's a good way to do it. But it's very possible you get, like, a DK, DQ finish because you have a – I can't think of her name right now, but you have, you know, Amos as manager because you can do a lot around. So, you could have – because he, he doesn't have the undefeated streak anymore. So, you could book it like that. You could have him, you know, win, go for the title – lose by or win by DQ and then set up the title for a pay-per-view, maybe even the pay-per-view of mania and have them have a big wrestle mania or the day before mania moment where he wins at a NXT takeover, which I think is the most likely scenario.
1: It would definitely be a lot of fun to see that happen. Uh Mania weekend, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, Chris, because there's so much awesome wrestling. Ring of Honor has a huge show set up. NXT obviously has their show. And then, uh, Impact versus Lucha Underground. Have you heard about this?
3: I did. It it seemed like it could be pretty awesome. I hope that it it turns out as cool as they've been talking it up.
1: We might have to add an extra hour onto the show uh, the next week after all that wrestling because, whew, it's going to be a lot of stuff. And Impact versus Lucha, whatever they have left over at Impact, Uh, mixed with the guys over in Triple A that also do Lucha Underground.
2: It's it's actually like
1: whatever they have left out of both shows because they've lost a big chunk of their roster on each of them. But
0: I'm sure it'll be a lot of
1: fun regardless. And, you know, Impact's always had that relationship with Triple A and Lucha Underground, that same type of concept, much to how Ring of Honor does with New Japan. So cool stuff, guys. Well, that was another wonderful show with Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We had the Beer City Bruiser a.k.a. Matt Winchester, on the show. Really nice guy. Great interview. We had a douchebag call-in um, who's, um, you know, a really nice guy at, at some point during the show, but he's not really a guest compared to Matt. Uh, Matt was a much nicer guest. But, uh, yeah, you know, we have a lot of stuff coming up in this next uh, week of wrestling that we'll be able to talk about, I'm sure. And, um Just keep on listening. Chris, did you enjoy your episode? Say goodbye to the people out there.
3: Yeah, I want to give a huge shout-out and thank you to uh, Beer City Bruiser. Fuck the guy I called in. And uh, everybody else, you guys have a great week and a lovely weekend. Thank you so much for listening,
1: as always. All right, guys. And, yeah, keep it here. Every Thursday at 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, part of the Geek 5s nation network if you will on blog talk radio we got a facebook page we got a twitter page we got an instagram page we got a page for a page a page and uh yeah just keep on coming we're gonna get more guests it's gonna be so much fun talking wrestling and um if you guys want to know this is a uh, a drop from a uh, guest that we have recently on the geek vibes show have a good one. It's play. Oh, that's awesome never mind